to the Canby Christian Church podcast. This is an on Sunday episode. That's the episode uh, where the pastors of the church get together in a dank basement and talk about what happened on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, we're joined by a guest. Occasionally, we're joined by two guests. Occasionally, we're joined by two very, very special guests. And that <laughs> is the occasion we have today. We're joined by my wife, Emily. Aaron's wife Michelle, uh, and uh, and we're missing Rob. We're missing Rob. Rob left this morning. He went to California to hang out with his family for the for the holiday, and so we took the great opportunity whilst he's gone <laughs> to <laughs> get our wives and their um, opinions into the Uh-oh. into the podcast yeah. room. <laughs> so who just said uh oh? So everybody knows oh, everyone. This that was is voice. Emily. This is Cody's wife. Mm. I'm Michelle, Marin's wife. Marin's wife or Aaron's wife? Aaron. I'm going to have to really enunciate. St- starting fast. <laughs> Dang. That's the answer. Oh, no. Oh, oh my no. gosh. I just realized what the answer was. Okay, oh, good man. job. We uh, Love it. In lieu of our normal uh, sequence, we usually say what happened in our week. I wasn't even around this Sunday, so I don't know what happened here. Um, <laughs> but in lieu of that, we are going to uh, play... Uh, our version of the newlywed game. Yeah, and I think just to, instead of recapping our weeks, we're gonna we're gonna play the <laughs> newlywed game yeah. just just for a few minutes. We just don't want to waste that. We don't want to waste everybody's time. We're gonna see who the better couple is. Well, mm. just who knows one another better. Uh-oh. I thought this was just to throw your husband under the bus. Well, both. No, <laughs> no. I thought it was. I thought That's we, what I signed up for. I thought we were gonna factually know by the end of this. Who's the better couple? Oh, oh well, you know, oh. it could it could happen. So we, Michelle, actually uh, went online and found uh, a few questions, and so we're going to ask these questions, and uh, it will be obviously the game. You know, the wife answering the question, and then obviously the husband answering the question, and both spouses or or couples are going to do that. We've got five questions. And we are going to rapid fire through this. Yes, we are. Yeah. Okay. So what are we're starting? We're going to tally it up. We're starting with. Uh, what are we starting with? The wives. Oh yeah, we we got to start with Michelle. This was her idea. Okay, we'll <laughs> wow. start with the wife. So, <laughs> Michelle, what is a sure fire? Wait. So how's it work? You she, you we, you, ask, you, you ask you ask her the question. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's a sure fire way to get on Aaron's nerves? You'll answer, and then we'll find out if. Aaron had the same answer as you. Yeah. I just did it. I, it's when I mumble. When I mumble, oh, he hates it. Gosh, that's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> but did you write that down? No, that's not what I wrote down. What did you oh. write down? Uh, a sure fire way for her to meet- get on your nerves. Oh, for her. I put... Uh, for her to get on my nerves? Yeah. yeah. So you need you need both sides of the answer for each yes. question. Yeah. Would be, I guess. That's how a, if you match. I guess when someone. I when I would come home, which this never happens. I'm gonna be totally frank and honest. But a dirty house gets on my nerves. Oh but my I'm gosh. saying sh- she doesn't get on my nerves because I never come <laughs> home to a dirty house. And I'm I'm this I'm is, truly, I've made I'm that truly being honest. A lot in our, the beginning of our marriage. Early parts of the marriage, not the same. But and, now and mess is not necessarily things everywhere. It's like floors mm. not clean. Yeah, or like or counters butter butter mm. spread all over my counter. That's like old. 
Anyway, that doesn't Old happen anymore. Okay, we're, we're moving on. So you didn't get that. I did not I get that one. I can't believe you didn't say mumble. Like, okay, I you, don't know. You no, cracked me like <laughs> daily on this. Yeah, she mumbles. How you okay. missed that, I don't Mary's know. Mary's wife. Okay, so we're just so doing what? we're just doing Man. the wives first, right? Just wives first. Okay, okay. Sure. okay. Same right. question. Emily, what's a surefire way to get on my Cody's nerves? Okay, now I'm confused. Okay, so I think the surefire way that I would annoy you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Would be if I put your stuff away slash you think I hid your stuff. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they always think we hide it from them. Oh, dang it. Because she's totally, she's totally right, though, huh? That's probably the number that one. That, oh, that drives me he, crazy. He thinks that I hide his stuff. She does. She'll all... Where is it? Where did you put this? <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, that's what not what I say? said. That's not what I said. I said a surefire way to get on my nerves is to try to correct me <laughs> when I'm not wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a surefire way to get on my nerves. But that okay. is true, too. Because I do. I, I mean, it's my fault. I leave stuff out all the time. But she does like put it in really random places, and then she's like, "I don't know where it is." And then after I'm looking for an hour, she just gets up and like goes and opens the closet and like grabs it from the very back. And it's like <laughs> she true. knew she knew the whole time exactly where it was. So everyone listening, All right. this is a lie. <laughs> All right. Okay. Next question next for the wives. Year, so for the wives, uh, Michelle, what is your spouse's weirdest quirk or worst habit? I would say he has a few of them. <laughs> and yet last night you could think lives, of one. But <laughs> he lives in movie quotes. So you see this a lot in his sermons and stuff. He'll quote like oh. movies or something and think he's like the funniest thing. Uh, okay. You know you do that. I do remember a lot of movie quotes. I don't know if I live in them, but... Are you kidding me? I think the point is that whenever I do quote a movie, I I literally just did it, huh? Like I quoted the Sandlot (laughs) right before we started recording (laughs) this podcast. See? See? Oh, that's funny. But I will say this. The quotations are always correct. They are. They're They're word for word. And then when I do it, trying to be funny with him, I butcher it (laughs) and I get corrected. (laughs) So Aaron, though, what did you say? Which which is what I thought you were going to say is that I always... Always correct yeah, your you grammar correct. or something oh, yeah. like that. So I do that. I do one. the uh, did, Ross Geller. Did you write down the same answer though? Because we're zero to zero. I, I wrote. No, I always correct her grammar. Oh, okay. I, oh. So still zero. Yeah. All right, Emily. What is your spouse's weirdest quirk or worst habit? I put losing his keys slash locking his himself <laughs> out of places. <laughs> mm. That's awesome. <laughs> That's not my worst habit. I think I also no, wrote. I also wrote down lack of brushing teeth, but I don't know if that. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! We're, <laughs> we're just. We're, That's not my worst habit. We're just. <laughs> we're just doing oh, one man. here. It could get vicious. <laughs> yeah, we whoa. don't want a divorce over. I this didn't know game. you had a dang. How long's your list over there? <laughs> You said that later. Was I right? Okay. Was I Look right? at all that right. What'd you put, no, Cody? I thought you were going to say picking my nose. Oh, oh my God. Emily hates no. it when she looks over and I'm picking my nose. <laughs> <laughs> you guys what, are good. Michelle, what I is? I thought that's what she was going to say. That's not what I um, said. I do hate to brush my teeth, but that is a actually uh, moral choice. Like, <laughs> I think modern dentistry is a scam. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So that's not a bad oh, habit. Gosh. That's just 
a different worldview. I'm glad I'm across the table yeah. from you. <laughs> Aaron <laughs> probably has had to get you into the church many times because you No, dude, I put that air tag on my keys. I never lose them anymore. Sometimes. And I keep a spare set of church keys. You literally just left your keys somewhere the other day. <laughs> yeah, and you, yeah, and you and had to walk over to the house and get Oh, yeah, you had to drive all the way over to that Chinese food restaurant. Okay, leaving my keys at a restaurant in Oregon City doesn't really count. Yes, it does literally the same thing okay next question uh michelle what is something that always makes your spouse laugh um this was hard kook slams i feel like he's always showing me these videos Wait, what'd you say kook slams <laughs> i don't is know that right that is. is it kook, kook you know slams. those videos where like they're like like water skiing and they eat it and like slam their head into the water and the skis fly off or something I didn't like know that was called kook slams. well I've never yeah heard of that. A, a kook, a kook is a poser surfer. That's what a kook is. Oh, so okay. there is an Instagram account called like Kook Slams, I yeah. think. And there'll be these little clips, and people submit little videos of, <laughs> let's say, somebody standing on the shore line of a beach, and just a wave comes crashing into them, and they just get taken out by the wave. So it's like a, it's a kook slam. Oh. Um, I mean, it'd be the same thing anyway. That that's what it, that's what it is. But, but yeah. you've kind of moved on now to like that's not like really? Dave Chappelle and yeah, like these that's not what I put. Kind of, okay, what I you? I just put inside jokes. Make inside me laugh. jokes. Mm. Um. Anyway, so that doesn't. I probably Neither was. Of us are I was too vague. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know, Kook Slam was kind of an inside joke. I'd never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I guess. So, are you going to give me the point? No, yeah, let's give no. him a point. Okay, no, no. Okay. no. Okay. That's a pity point. What's something that always makes your spouse laugh? Okay, this is weird, but I said if we see a woman riding a bicycle with a basket on the front, <laughs> and I sing the music from The Wizard of Oz. Oh my gosh! I love it. That's a movie quote. Did you put that? Did you put that, Cody? No, I didn't put that. But I it is have. good. That does make me laugh. Actually, that came to my mind. Oh, oh you should have. That came to my mind. I just said when you say inappropriate things. Oh, I never do that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it always makes you laugh when Emily says something inappropriate. Wow. That are. is a good one, though. The Wicked Witch song. <laughs> 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 that's, that's the lady drives by in her. Oh, oh, man. All right. Last one for the wives. I thought there was no, two we got more. two more. Two more two for more. the wives. What is one thing your spouse has that you'd get rid of? Michelle well, and Aaron, if you have the same thing I, written down. I don't have this written down because I wrote these down this morning, but as we were driving out of our garage, I thought answer. of one. I, you, can't, you can't say it, Michelle, because I told you we got to pick things that okay, like we're going to get right. I would get rid of this cowboy hat that he has that he's had forever, and I hate Is that it. it? And I like stick it in places, hoping he won't remember he even has it. And he remembers, and I'm like, dang it, I was gonna get rid of it. Got it. That's it. All my right. hat. One my hat. Nothing. I know. I know what but she was. But can I say I know right what she was now? Say. Like he has like chopped off deer legs sitting in our garage <laughs> right Cause now. Because I, I yeah like, we we killed that deer. But that is ago. so creepy. What are it's you going to do with these legs? I feel like he's going to like dance oh, on okay. me with them or something. That's so gross. Anyway, yes, I put the All hat. Right. I nothing. knew you were going to do that with the deer legs, though. And I'm like, yeah. that's that's a recent See, that's thing. A, They've only been in there for two weeks. One point. Okay, Emily, go ahead. One thing that I have that you'd get rid of. Okay, I said 
either his access either to Amazon Prime or YouTube. Ooh, that's access. Ooh, <laughs> that's a good one. That's not what I wrote. Oh. I wrote any of the remnants of my unfinished projects. That's true. Too. That's a good one. Uh, okay. Okay. Last one for the ladies. Last one for the ladies. Your spouse has the day off in an empty house. What are they doing? I think most of us know what Aaron would be doing because he's talked about it on the podcast, but I think he'd be taking a bubble bath with his little sea salts. Oh, <laughs> watching I thought, I thought be watching YouTube videos. Emily, you know me better than my own life. <laughs> well, you know he would be golfing, fact, but with a house I'd be to golfing. yourself. In fact, I'd with be a house. Golfing. Oh, yeah, I, for sure. If no, I have golfing. a house to myself, I'm running from my responsibilities <laughs> at the house, and I would be definitely going golfing. But, Michelle, you're totally right. If I was already done golfing and the house was still empty and I was home, I'd probably be taking <laughs> a bubble bath. He's always yeah. bath. But that's you had right. to pick what you wrote down. So I put yeah. golfing, so, so I, lo- but I lost. But that's not what you that's do in the house. I know. No, Read you're right. Question, you're right. Babe. You're right, Michelle. I'm not saying you're wrong. You're right. We missed so it. We, we can make both. a comeback right here, Emily. Okay. Day off. House to myself. What do I do? I said lying in bed or sitting on the couch watching YouTube no, videos. No, one, one thing, one thing. Watching YouTube videos of people reacting to sports highlights and ordering a pizza. <laughs> All of that. Bob Menry videos. Oh, man. Did this, you is close. this is close. <laughs> I just said watching TV and either cooking or ordering food. I feel like that's a point. That's, that's a, a point. point. Watching no way. and ordering food. No that's way. If you're not, thing. if you're not going to give me inside jokes, we're not giving you that one. <laughs> we, you already have a point. That we counts. Do. I would, I would no. veg out. I would watch something. And I'd order food. That's a yes. point. Yes. Oh, well, whatever. I think our, our listeners point. can be encouraged Grace. that we know each other just probably as much as everyone else. This was this was perfect <laughs> just though. We're that right. that we we are now going last. So yeah, round two. This is great. Yeah. Round two, men go. Okay. Uh, Aaron, what's a surefire way to get on Michelle's nerves? Um, not me not finishing yard work. Oh my mm. gosh. Did, is that, uh, that what you is, had written down? That's that is true, but that is not what <laughs> I had. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I said waking me up. <laughs> Gosh, oh, dang it. That's a good How one. I did not know this. That's a good he woke one. me up this morning that is to let me know a light was on downstairs. I'm like, go away. <laughs> go away. Jeez, that's a way to get on my nerves. Leave the lights on in the house in the middle of the night. Okay, let's keep going. Cody, Emily, what is a surefire way? A surefire way to get on Emily's nerves. I put putting my clothes on that chair in the living room or quote unquote, Making the chair my closet. Okay. I put leaving his him leaving his shoes or clothes in the living room. So yeah. I feel like that's, that's that is good. good. Okay, you get one point. Yes, boom. All right, uh, Aaron, your uh, spouse's weirdest quirk or worst habit. Well, like I said before this started, I am not actually going to say her weirdest quirk. Babe. To protect her from her own uh, shame and embarrassment. Babe. Uh. But I will say, although they shared picking her nose. weirdest, <laughs> I know for real, which shows I just that about the severity of this quirk it shows oh, that no. I would be unwilling oh, to share. No one would share it. You can't say things but, like that. But the the weirdest quirk, oh the weirdest quirk, I would say for Michelle is probably the first one that I noticed about you, and it's just the way you eat chips. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I didn't even put that. Come she, on, babe. Michelle, <laughs> really? Out of all of them, you put that? 
the way you eat shit out of all of them <laughs> out of all of them out of all the cartoons that she is self-aware of what did you the I way she eats chips. chips i think it's like eating anything like i take really big bites of stuff and so then my mouth is like she's got food all in her teeth she's like no nah, nah. <laughs> anyway okay moving on wait what did she say what did she say yeah, yeah what'd you say i said did you get that well i kind of had two on there but um just your one Doing everything the hard way, like oh. yes, Michelle it. does that everything my, the hard way. He comes in, and he's like, "Why are you doing it this way? Just do it that way. It'd be so much easier." Including eating chips, happened. it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why, why did you have to take that? Everything size I do it the hard way. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be staring at you next to your picnic while eating chips. Oh, like, me. Look at her, dude. <laughs> All right, Cody. What well, makes your spouse bites. laugh? Right. No, uh, no, no, spouse no. is weird as quirk or worse. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Sorry. I okay, I had two, but I. Th- I only wrote down one. Rude. Th- <laughs> yeah, because you have one. them all listed in the back of okay. your mind, Emily. You don't I need th- to write them down. I think. <laughs> I. Oh man. Just say. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say, uh, putting your hair on the shower wall. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I didn't say that. Oh, no comment you from you. That's so I good. said. Having a hard time apologizing when I'm wrong. Oh, you went oh. like deep. Yeah. Wow. No, I I blocked that out. You do. <laughs> it does take you like you're not wrong that often, so it's not like that difficult. But it you does don't take, get a lot of practice. It does you take know? you I do. like I think you, I think your record of realizing you're wrong and apologizing is probably like <laughs> somewhere between 48 and 72 hours. <laughs> Like it's never wow. less. Oh, it's that's never not less. True. I'm just kidding. That's exaggeration. But the other thing I had when I wasn't sure if you maybe would write down because it drives me crazy when you misuse my carbon steel or cast iron pans. Oh, <laughs> that's true. It drives me nuts. Oh, well, that's more. That's not a quirk. That's like something that gets on your nerves. Yeah, worst habit is just yeah. like oh, using yeah, these yeah, pans yeah. and then I have to like redo their finish and. Anyways, yeah. uh, Aaron. It. Okay, well, yeah, go ahead. Uh, what's something that always makes Michelle laugh? When people fall or hurt themselves. <laughs> and that's what I put. <laughs> oh, good job. Dang, 2-1. That's a pretty, All right. like, that's a pretty easy one. Even if it's a child, I laugh. Yeah, I can't yeah, yeah. Like, hold it in. I have to like walk away. Like Even when my kid gets hurt, it's like, oh my gosh, I got to be serious. They're crying. <laughs> and I just would have laughed. Okay, um, or no, you. What's something that always no, no, makes you, gotta answer. you laugh? Yeah. What I wrote is uh, when we're out and about and we see someone weird, and I just say that guy and point <laughs> at them. <laughs> that that always make makes you laugh. You laugh. Um, I just said when you say any jokes, because I tend to laugh at everything you, do you think say. It, you do think <laughs> everything I say is funny. Um, Aaron, what is one uh, thing your spouse has that you'd get rid of? Uh, I mean, this is so easy, Michelle. You have to get this. <laughs> I'm t- definitely going to miss it probably. Though. So she obviously wants to throw my hat away. Um, Michelle wears these dresses that in right. in my mind look like moo-moos. <laughs> she and always looks so cute. No, she does. <laughs> but she's got like two or three dresses that to me are like, 
not flattering their their moo-moos basically and it's <laughs> and like they're so comfortable and i love them <laughs> yeah exactly that's why yeah so no and you're not touching them with a nine foot pole they need to be thrown in the trash is that what you put michelle <laughs> yep okay three to <laughs> one three to they're one dominating us. oh we're screwed emily because uh one thing your spouse has that you get rid of i i couldn't come up with it <laughs> no i put not sure does I that said count nothing. Oh, look no at you guys. Yes. nothing emily doesn't like keep i don't like keeping stuff things around. i get rid of wow stuff. that's so a does point that, that's a point that's a point that's a point that's amazing all right last one so you guys have to get this wrong and we have to get it right to tie, tie. Oof. your Whoa. spouse has the day off in an empty house what are they doing okay my gut reaction was to say taking a nap but i'm not saying that <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give them a shot here because the fact of the matter is day off, empty house. If you're not napping, what you're actually doing is doing your BSF Bible yeah, study. I put napping or reading, but yeah. You can't put two answers, though. You have to pick one. But I do them like both. The, the I read off, until I the take day a off. nap. Yeah, the day <laughs> off. It can be multiple answers. Yeah. Yep. I just, every time I come, she's like sitting there at the kitchen table doing her bsf bible study so that's what that's the memory that came to mind yeah but if it's summer i'm napping (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i'm off all right uh so wait so what did you guys get that one or no I, I mean, I like that's just I think as they, close as they, they get a yeah, half yeah. a point for that one. Okay, so she we're, didn't we're say at three BSF, and a half. but okay. she said reading. Oh right. my god! <laughs> so my paper says this is a bonus question, so it's a three-point answer uh, if you get it right. Oh okay. my so god! Okay, take the lead right here. Uh, I feel like we're not gonna get it right. So you're sleeping in and taking a bath and reading. I didn't write any of that. Yeah, that was her day. I didn't write any of that. That's her day. What'd you write? (laughs) I said relaxing, watching TV, and not doing housework. Specifically, not doing doing housework is not an activity. (laughs) Well, we're the better couple, We win. You did. You win. We've confirmed. (laughs) We're on the lead. The lead pastor and the first lady of the church. Oh, my God. (laughs) Still got it. Barely. Barely. They're top couple still. That's funny. Like 10 points, and we get three or whatever we got. Let's jump into Exodus. Exodus. How long are we deep into this? Oh, man, that was a nice 20-minute opening segment we gotta we'll have to say in the now. beginning or it's something like about that you can hour, jump forward it's usually about an hour podcast okay um, and so yeah we got some, we got some time left we thank you for in indulging us exodus 16 and 17 actually the end of 15 the end of 15 all the way up to part of 17 yeah, yeah. the beginning part of 17 yep 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 15 22 to 17 7 uh the title the god who meets our needs the god who meets mm-hmm. our needs and so did you find any part of this passage particularly challenging as you were trying to present it to our church and our people to i mean apply it to their lives the most obvious is this is a lot of text <laughs> and a yep. lot of really good text um i was sort of kicking myself i mean we we made a decision when we started exodus in the beginning in, in, uh, September to not sort of like, uh, I guess walk through this book, but to yeah. stride through this book a little bit. <laughs> right. And so they, these were really like three sermons on their own and would have been like a little mini series within the broader series. The mini series being, let's have a discussion for three weeks on the God who meets our needs yeah. and, and then talk about how he heals us one week and then talk about how he, provides for uh, feeds us you know the hungry soul or whatever so anyway i think that was the difficulty was sort of being really 
lean and mean, I guess, and my comments on the passage. Um, and because uh, there was just a lot of text to read. So I had to be really efficient in my <laughs> word choices, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, that being the first answer, I guess, to that question. Right. So, but it, what what was cool about, I think, going broader over it was seeing how these three stories truly are like a literary unit and are to be seen much like in the the parables that Jesus told about the lost sheep, lost coin, and then the prodigal son, how those three stories are sort of like supposed to be read together and similar patterns and flow, and yet oftentimes they're isolated. You could see that there's similar patterns here. Like, for example, when each story starts out with, and they set out to, and they set out to, and and then they moved on to in the third story. So those like literary connections showed that these three stories are sort of like belonging together. Um, anyway, so and I thought that that have, was... They all three have like a typology of Christ, <coughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and a, mm-hmm. like a really obvious, they're really obvious typologies. Yeah. Um, a lot of similarities, the people complaining. Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, all those literary devices kind of show that they were three related stories. Which again, you could have made a we could have made a mini series out of it, or let's just do it in one shot. Yeah, and complaints just, in the desert. Yes, and like tried to tease them out into really uh, specific ones. Or we do this all the time. Let's just overview of all of them. Right. But I love that First uh, Corinthians passage that was there and uh, like it and i think it points to a principle we talk about often that whenever uh another part of the bible interprets mm. another part of the bible it's always right yeah like that first corinthians ones tells us exactly how to view these you know it says the rock was christ yeah <laughs> so now when we read that passage we go oh this rock represents christ you yeah know, in the story yeah um so i thought that was pretty interesting yeah um Oh, I was going to say something else. Oh, oh, Rob brought up to me. So Rob's not here, but I'll bring up something that Rob said on to me. On his behalf. On his behalf. <laughs> was, um, you even just said it th- right there, like a potential title, um, Complaints in the Desert or something yeah, like whatever, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that, that could have been a great title. Um, there, what I'm saying is there's the other difficult part about this passage is there's a lot of really strong themes, like mm. they're grumbling. And so, I mean, I could have preached a sermon about grumbling, like a topical sermon on complaining, you know, and how easy would that have been to do right before Thanksgiving, you know? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Or bitterness, like you were talking about. God heals bitterness. That could have been a huge one. too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the bitterness one would have been a little bit more difficult to carry on into the other two stories Mm -hmm. because they didn't, that wasn't necessarily the emphasis in those ones, but they definitely all complained. Mm -hmm. Um the other theme could have been uh, testing in the desert mm-hmm. um, or testing in the wilderness because testing is threaded through all three. <clears throat> and so we were talking about that. Like, what is the dominant theme in these since there seems to be like several within each one? And I, I, anyway, I kind of just came to the conclusion of, yeah, testing is a dominant theme. However, testing the testing that is being shown here is whether or not God will meet my needs. 
And so mm. I think that's where I was like, te- testing is uh, like we could go to a lot of different passages and see where God tests people. But these three are showing how God is testing them in a particular way. And particularly, that's how am I going to how is God going to meet my needs and my, my basic things, you know? So anyway, that was why I ended up going with that theme over, uh, you know, testing or complaining or bitterness or I, I mean, obviously I could have gone off on the manna and just done this big old topical Bible study on manna or whatever. So anyway, those were some of the discussions that I think I had, you know, or like, I guess decisions you have to make when you're like teaching a Bible study. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So God as provider is what came out as the dominant, dominant theme through there. Well, you know, and that's another thing I was like, God as provider, I didn't want to, yeah, that's like a theme as like pre provides food. He provides water, but the title was the God who meets our needs. I, I went with that because providing doesn't necessarily connect with healing. Hmm. Um, true. So like he meets a need by healing us, yeah. you know? No, that's a good point. And so anyway, yeah, those are like, again, some decisions you have to like, well, what is, yes, he provides, but like, is there maybe a more specific word or phrase that summarizes these three stories, you know? Yeah. Like he meets the need, he meets it by healing us, he then provides for us food and drink um or our, our basic needs you know and then of course the spiritual implications of that but yeah anyway i listened or i obviously i preached it I'm, i want to hear yeah. what you guys thought about the passage <laughs> yeah. itself you know and was there a uh a, a section of the sermon or of the passage that particularly connected with you I mean, I, I know you used it to chastise our daughter last <laughs> night because she was complaining. Because we were listening to it together, Bible and, uh, and your she kids. said, "Didn't you, didn't you just hear the sermon on grumbling people?" <laughs> but <laughs> that's a good one. But no, I, I was thinking the thing that stuck out to me was um, when you were talking about the image of the tree and how it's shown as a metaphor mm. um, all throughout Scripture, even leading up like to Revelation twenty-two, where it's talking about the tree of life, and um, mm. ultimately that you know, the tree that Christ died on, you know, I I thought that was a really interesting tie in. I would have never like made that connection. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I had the chance. Sure. (laughs) But my, so my question back to you then would be like, though you would never have made the connection, Mm -hmm. are you saying that, that's a weird connection, Aaron. No, and no, why did I think it's it? a good. I think it's a good I connection. Think you're overreaching I, here, babe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I'm, I'm leading. He wants me to critique his sermon. I no, I thought it was a good connection because, like that, like it was almost like the log was part of the healing process, mm-hmm. like of the healing of the bitterness. Um, now it wasn't obviously God was, you know, doing the miracle, but um, just thinking of that as it relates to the tree that Christ died on, you know, like mm-hmm. it was part of the the ultimate healing that we needed, you know, I just thought that was a really interesting and like, but you you brought in Psalm one, you know, that we are tree of life planted (coughs) by, you know, like there's just so much metaphor of tree throughout scripture. So, yeah. Were you asking? Yeah. Were you asking that? Cause we can take a passage, come up with something 
Right. Really interesting. Right. A connection no one's never made before. Right. But sometimes the no one's ever made that connection because it's not really because it's not really there. Is that yeah. why you were asking <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. I there was like a phrase I heard a long time ago where you never want people walking out going. I would have never seen that. <laughs> you want people walking out. You want you want people walking out saying, "How did I never see that before?" Yeah, right. That that's and yeah, that's, that's what, what I feel like saying. I was saying. Yeah. I I had never seen that before and I feel like that was a co- good connection. Sure, sure. So the, I'm not I'm not bashing your segment. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's just like a a, cl- a clarification only because like I think that sometimes when you hear Bible teaching or things like that, like you read things into a passage that's not really there, like Mm -hmm. you were just saying, Cody, and what it ends up doing is creating dependency on that speaker because it seems like that speaker has like insight that's Mm -hmm. like no one else has. Either they're smarter than me or they're more spiritual than me or something like that. But the reality is they're, they're just, they're not seeing, or they're seeing things that aren't really there. And so, but for example, like when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus, which is what you preached right after Easter, mm-hmm. like Jesus opened up the scriptures and beginning with Moses, uh, showed how all of these things were ha- supposed to happen to the Christ, right? Yeah. And I think that the disciples at the end of that, you know, sermon that Jesus preached to them on the road, they probably said to themselves, how did we never see that before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's so obvious. Right. That's how so clear. Right, how roll open the scroll of Isaiah and not see this prediction of this suffering servant. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, anyway, I think that clarification is a, is a big deal. Cause sometimes you hear sermons and you're like, where is this guy getting this stuff from? <laughs> and, and that's, uh, and sometimes it's like, he's just making it up. Yeah. And, but other times, you know, you see it. And then obviously you see the new Testament connection, like John six and the next one, mm-hmm. um, with the manna, um, <clears throat> but in the log, I think that one almost can seem like a little bit of a stretch, but it is like a biblical theology mm-hmm. look at what is this theme that the word is that mm-hmm. I said was typology, mm-hmm. how there's a type, a, a growing picture or metaphor of something throughout the Bible. So mm-hmm. like the Garden of Eden, where God dwells with his people, right, Adam and Eve, then is replaced with the tabernacle at the end of Exodus where God meets with his people, which is then replaced with the temple. And then the temple is destroyed. And then the church becomes the new temple and Christ is the temple. And you know what I mean? So it's, there's like this growing evolution of this, uh, type of place where God meets with his people. And anyway, that word being a typology. And I think that bringing that out and showing how like that works, especially in a passage like this will bring you closer to showing how Christ fulfills these things. Um, Because, yes, God is our healer, but how does he heal? Mm -hmm. He heals through Christ. And he provides for us. But how does he provide? He provides ultimately through Christ, right? So I think, like, that helps people read their Bibles with a more Christological. These are my air quotes that you guys can't see, but everybody in the room can. Uh, Christological connection, you know? Yeah. And those those typologies, I mean— would you say those are kind of sometimes you do need a pastor or teacher who has spent more time in the Bible than you to point those out? Sure. But once you've learned them, you should be able to find them yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So it's That's not, right. it's not, you might get this brand new thing, um, but hopefully it's not some brand new typology that literally no one's ever thought about except right. for Aaron Adame. Right. And now you have 
all the disciples of Aaron who can see the typology, right? But no one else can. It was <laughs> it was so funny. This guy, he's he's a newer guy. Uh, his name's Sergey, and he he's been coming to the church. And he walks up to me on Sunday morning, and he's like, "Man, I don't mean to give you a big head." Uh, and I'm like, "Okay, you're probably not." And he was like, "I've just never heard somebody like." M- connect the old testament with the new testament like you do like it's really interesting and i'm like dude you're not going to give me a big head like all those references are just in your cross reference in the bible <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like most the of them you know in yeah your study bible. i'm like just yeah. just look at your footnotes i'm like i mean now there are some that like are better than others and there's some that are more closely aligned with like the fulfillment of this text so you want to pick and choose which cross reference just because the word is there, sometimes, a, you know, it'll cross-reference the word, but it has nothing to do with the text. Oh. But if your Bible probably cross-references John 6 in regard to the manna, because, like, it's literally the fulfillment of that, or Jesus talks about it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it was just funny because I'm like, dude, that's not a big head. I just, like, literally look at the cross-reference. <laughs> your bi- your yeah. publishers of the Bible nowadays, like, will oftentimes do it for you. Um but yeah. just sometimes don't have people have yet to sort of create that uh, muscle memory or like that uh, knee jerk reaction to say, oh, this this text is fulfilled in Christ in this way. Yeah. And so. But anyway. that's a that I mean, that's a conviction we have yeah. here is that we always should. <coughs> We yeah. always should get there, you know. Or there's that book, uh, the book, I haven't even read it yet, but it's great title, Your Old Testament Sermon Needs to Get Saved. Yeah. Like, you know, like, <laughs> your Old Testament sermon should end at the gospel. Yeah. Because that's the story, it's you know. The, the story is there. leading yeah. there, right? Yeah. Uh, Michelle, was there stuff in the sermon or in that text that stood out to you particularly? I mean, I love how Aaron had shared with me what that guy said, and I think... um we we should see Jesus in this in mm-hmm. the Old Testament in the text and I feel like these were pretty obvious especially like uh, in the New Testament like Jesus is always saying he's the bread of life and you know points to the manna and and if, even uh you know the water of life and stuff so I just loved that like even in these passages and how Aaron brought it out like it's it's about God's presence with his people and and that presence will be manifested in Jesus later, like with God with us, with his people, providing exactly what they need for real healing and what they really need. Mm. And so I appreciated that, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that I, because there was so much text and because we had so little time, I mean, I have 35 minutes to go through all this stuff. Um so I, I think bringing it to real life application mm-hmm. was probably the more, and this this is a stylistic thing for my part, is I tend to not like drive home really obvious applications. Okay, now this week you need to go do these five <laughs> things, you know? Because maybe there's 15 things yeah. that people need to do. Go eat some bread you find on the ground. I, I'm just <laughs> saying more like the, I, I trust that the Holy Spirit through the whole time is ministering to people and and sort of applying to them and to their hearts. Now, obviously, sometimes I'll get specific, um, but I do think I'm leaving room for the Holy Spirit to be convicting, to be exposing things in their, <coughs> uh, their own hearts of how they're supposed to go 
and apply those things. Um, but we, we were just talking right before this um, because I think one of the big applications of this passage is like stick to the word of God. Like that's the opening story is if you believe my, if you trust in my word, if you follow my statutes, obey my commands, like everything's going to be awesome for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that as humans, <laughs> we get a little bit pragmatic and we essentially don't believe that God's word is sufficient. Mm. And and mm. we get gimmicky in yeah. our in our church programs. We say, you know, instead of just having Bible study for the women's thing, you know, I'm just using this as an example, a cheesy example. You know, we got to have craft days mm -hmm. and we got to have, you know, teach them how to do gardening because that's really <laughs> what will get them out there, you know. And then we'll we'll tag on the Bible study because the Bible study isn't enough. Like people aren't going to come out just for that. Um, or man, my worship, my music needs to be rocking, or I need to have some cool, like artistic expression in my service because the preached word isn't enough yeah. or whatever, you know, I'm, I can go on and on and on of the kinds of ways that we indirectly, directly, subtly, not so subtly, essentially communicate. I just don't believe that God's word can do this, mm -hmm. that God's word can transform lives, that God's word can actually bring me to the place that I really, really, really want to be in, mm -hmm. um, that God's word actually heals me and uh, mm -hmm. provides everything that I need. Like we just don't to some degree believe that that's possible because it is, as Paul said, like in first Corinthians, it's kind of weird. Um, it's the foolishness of the message preached <laughs> uh, that is the power that transforms and saves. And I, I, I just think sometimes we just, lack the faith to see how that's possible mm. and yet this word created the world and everything in it god spoke and everything came into being um the word became flesh and dwelt among us i mean god did all things through the word mm. and it's like what colossians talks about right so anyway i think that this in regard to application forces us to really like weigh do we really believe that god's word is sufficient to transform and save and heal us, you know, and heal the church and build a church and make us healthy and blah, 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 you know? Yeah. Well, I think like it kind of ties in even to the passage that you were talking about because the people, they tried to gather more. They didn't yep. trust that God was actually going to mm -hmm. provide for right. them. So they tried to gather over what they needed and right. obviously like it got moldy or whatever, it got maggots in it. Mm -hmm. But like, I think that that happens in our lives all the time is that because we don't trust that God's word is enough, we try to add other stuff or try yep. to make it bigger or better. And hmm. when God's word is enough, it is sufficient for yeah. us. No, I, yeah, totally. That's totally true. Yeah. Um, well, and it, it, in playing off of that and what you were saying, <coughs> you know, we were talking about other ways of preaching before this, you know, we're like if you had just said like, I'm going to preach a sermon on a God who meets our needs, you know, and I'll just pull a few, places where I saw God meet needs, you know, I'll do the feeding of the 5,000 and I'll do, a, or I'm just going to do Matthew a sermon six. on healing. Yeah. And I'm just going to pull these out. Then you wouldn't have had the depth of story because, mm -hmm. um, and maybe you could comment on this. This is taking place in the context of a, a bigger story in Exodus, mm -hmm. you know, like they've been, you know, in Egypt for hundreds of years. 
Now they've just come out of Egypt in this really crazy, insane way. Then they worshiped God. Now they're back to grumbling again, you know, like this takes place in, you know, a story that adds a depth and a richness to it than if you had just pulled it out and been like, see, God can give you manna from heaven. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Um, and just, you know, tried to preach it all by itself. But it's in the context of the story. Um, but is there insight from the context of the story that even adds further meaning? Um, I mean, you you preached it in the context of a <laughs> of the story, so it might not add a ton to what you've already said. Well, I, I do think I think I mentioned it very like quickly in my sermon that like these people were coming out of Egypt, as you just said, that's their like historical literal con. Well, it's the literal context of what they're dealing with. Um, but the historical context is these people are wandering in, in the wilderness for 40 years while this book is being written. And I do think that there is to some degree a layer where they were still learning how to trust God because well, I'll just use an example, you know, I mean, like a real life practical example. I mean, let's just think of a, of, of a woman who's been in an abusive relationship um, for 15 years, you know, uh, it, it'll be really hard for her to learn how to trust God because trusting anyone is really difficult. Right. And so when you've been through so much trauma, physical trauma, emotional trauma, um, you're just hopeless, right? Like all of these things, you have to learn how to trust God because he's not that way and you need to be healed. But the problem is, is you're not willing to run to the God who will heal you because you're afraid to trust anyone. And so the, again, I think that there is a really significant reason why this thing was the first thing that happened after they came out of mm-hmm. Egypt and they sang this song, like, it's it's kind of like the woman as an example. I know this is a really ex- extreme example, but I think just trying to press in the he- heaviness and weight of it is like, wow, I finally got out of that horrible, traumatic relationship. That's great. I'm singing the song of salvation. You know, I'm use- <coughs> using this as a metaphor. But now what? And yeah, you might have escaped the relationship, but the effect of that horrible relationship, the, tra- the trauma is still being experienced. Mm -hmm. And I think that obviously what that person needs is to be healed um, of the effects of the sin that was done Mm -hmm. to her. And I think that that's what God is saying here is like, if you're going to be healed, you need to trust me Mm -hmm. and you need to learn to follow me. But it's hard to trust anyone when everyone you've ever known has taken advantage of you. And you see what I'm saying? Like how yeah. that that context, um, and I'm not trying to psychoanalyze. I think that's like how you actually understand like what the context is king, right? Context, as David Helm says in the Simeon Trust thing, is your quickest rate way to relevance. Um, it, this text is relevant for me because it was relevant for them based on the context of their lives and what they were going through. Yeah. So I think that that being a big deal um, in, in this, in this text, but it's, I think what I was saying was a healing is necessary and healing is possible. <laughs> and I think a lot of people yeah. just don't mm-hmm. believe it's even possible mm-hmm. and no, you can be made well. Um, you can, you can be healed of those things. Maybe not f- <coughs> fully and completely in this life, 
Um, but you can get to a point where you can actually trust people again and experience joy once again. And those are the, those are the things that God wanted to teach them, and yeah. not just in these events, but for the next forty years, as they learn to trust Him in the in the wandering in the desert and yeah, exp- eating the manna every single day. You know, right? And that I, He wasn't like the the their oppressors in Egypt. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's a that is a much fuller story <coughs> than just God can provide something for you when you need it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. Sometimes you won't. Uh, find what you need even right after God's proven himself you know God did all these miracles and they get out of Egypt and they're like oh we're trapped now he's gonna let us die then God does this massive miracle gets them across the Red Sea and they're like oh we're sick now Uh we're gonna die we're hungry now we're gonna die we're thirsty now you know we're gonna die and every time God provides and every time but that is a true thing that humans do all the time like we do it all the time God comes through in a big way for us and we're like, yeah, but now there's this thing. He's probably not probably not showing up this time. Right. I thought it was a really interesting. Uh, I wrote it down. Um, I heard somebody use a John Stock quote, and I I wrote it down. I was like, Aaron this Aaron loves Valley. this dude, you know. But I think uh, <laughs> you know we heard a, a sermon on anxiety this weekend, and uh, um, the John Stock quote was, "A Christian's freedom from anxiety is not due to some guaranteed freedom from trouble." Uh, but to the folly of worry and especially to the confidence that God is our father, that even permitted suffering is within the orbit of his care. And I think we see that like they like even the even when they found themselves in suffering, it didn't mean God was not caring for them still mm. like God, like the permitted suffering they were experiencing was still within the orbit of his care, even their slavery was still in the orbit of his care and he was always going to through come through. He was always going to provide, he was always going to heal. Um and if but they always were just like, "Oh, the sky's falling this time. This time's the time he's not going to, you know." Yeah. And we have to remember even when we were experiencing trouble and suffering or hardship, like God is still caring for us then. It's not like he comes back and cares for us. He's there through it all, you know. Yeah. And I love, like, when we do go through the whole book, we get this background that we wouldn't get if we just plopped down in there. And a pastor was like, so here's the Israelites coming out of, like, seeing these miracles of God, and now they're in the wilderness complaining, you know? Like, we've been able to see, like, that they, you know, were in this position of slavery, like, working seven days a week, and, like, they didn't have time. They didn't know who God was. Like, they, you know, they were hard worked they lost their identity like Aaron you know has said before like they needed this to remind them and I feel like it is like a gentleness of God that he's not like you know like hey why are you complaining why are you attacking Moses you're like he thinks you're gonna stone him like what are you doing (laughs) like instead he's like gently giving them these these reminders but they also point to even future um, fulfillment of this but like of his presence and that he can provide and what he is doing and so mm. it is really gentle when you're in the whole story but at the, if you just plop down in it you'd be like man these people are really annoying how like they're <laughs> muttering like they just saw these mir- miraculous things but it shows how much like they needed those reminders of not only their identity but of who yeah. God is um, yeah, I still think they're kind of annoying, but on my best days, I go, 
I'm annoying for all the same reasons. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the that's the equality. Emily had to take off. I think one of our one of our kiddos isn't feeling well. Oh, bummer. Aww. Um yeah, I think I one of the things I totally skipped over, but I think really ministered to me in this passage that again, I didn't bring it out in my sermon because it wasn't going to help my main argument, but a way that God ministered to me in my own study was how in each instance, really these people were upset at God, but they weren't taking it out on God. Mm-mm. They were taking it out on Moses. <laughs> and it's it's interesting. And obviously Moses is a type of Christ, right? And And yet at the same time, he was a minister, a flawed minister uh, of of God to his people and bringing them the word. And I guess my point is, you know, Cody, you know, if you haven't yet, and I know you have, but, you know, in the future more and more, like people will take out their spiritual frustrations on you, right? If their marriage is not doing well, they will be upset at you because you're the pastor and you didn't fix it. Or if they don't trust God, they don't trust you. And when they don't trust you, well, they can't like throw a rock at God or they can't gossip about God or slander God, but they can slander you Mm. all day long Mm. and, and try and take it out on you, which is ultimately, you know, the ultimate expression of that is in Christ and on the cross, right? These people were really upset at God and obviously Christ is God and was God, but they killed him in his humanity, right? They, they crucified Christ. And here, like even Moses says, they were ready to stone me. Mm-hmm. What did Moses ever do to them? <laughs> like in, in reality, but, but they were so delusional in their fear and in their lack of trust that they were willing to kill somebody, that they were willing to take it out on somebody who only ever like loved them and tried to help them uh, and was being used by God to deliver them. And I, I think that um, very poignant expression that Moses makes where he says, like, why, why are you taking this out on me? <laughs> like, yeah. your, your grumbles aren't against me. They're against the Lord, you know? And I think I needed that reminder that um, I, I had this uh, professor say, when you counsel people, sometimes they'll associate that moment or the, that event or whatever and, and they'll distance themselves from you afterward, like after yeah. it's all worked out. And I mean, this is just sort of classic human behavior because right. in one sense you've seen, you know, behind the veil and you've seen the bones in the closet. And now it's like a little embarrassing yeah. um, at, at best, or maybe to some degree they, they actually blame you that it didn't work out um, in the end or something like that. And so <clears throat> anyway, it was just a reminder of, about the nature of Christian ministry and about being used by the Lord. Like you, you often get into it and think this will be awesome. I'll be used by God and I'll see God work in powerful ways. And you will, and you'll (laughs) see God transform lives and heal people. And that will be amazing too, but you'll also be attacked. But it's, you know, in, in, and sometimes you'll make, you'll, well, you'll make mistakes like Moses made mistakes. Um, but they'll attack you nonetheless. And I, anyway, that was just something that I was ministered to by in the story of just remembering like people are people and it, it, though they look at you and blame you, it's it's really not 
about you. It's about what they're going through and their own trauma and their own like frustrations with God um, and feeling like he's let them down or whatever, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing just in my own time thinking about, you know? Yeah. But I think that's definitely a, a, a big theme in this story for guys in ministry who are right yeah that, there's you know? a, there's a yeah a lot of moses life there's themes for the leader that don't necessarily apply to everyone until you find yourself in that type of leadership position yeah well you see it in jesus you see it in paul like there's not a leader in the christian faith that didn't deal with that and so i think it's it's always reassured me and comforted me that it's like oh it's not just us you know like like uh, there have pe- been people in the Bible that have experienced these things and people are people. Yeah. You know? I mean, They're yeah, crazy. The, the youth group, we just finished Galatians. Yeah. Paul says it in there, right? You yeah. received me with so much love. You received my message. <coughs> and he's like, what now I've become your enemy because I'm trying to teach you what you're doing is wrong. You know? Yeah. 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 It happens. Yeah. It definitely happens. <coughs> Another interesting thing in this passage that I didn't really like have time again to draw out was the beginning narrative around the Sabbath day. Uh, so like yeah. the law had yeah, not yeah. yet come. Um, and yet, I mean, obviously there's a beginning sort of uh, I, what you would call a postulate, like a original argument, an or uh, originated. Oh, I'm, I'm literally losing the word here. An origin in Genesis where like originated but. originated it originated in Genesis <laughs> there it is originated in Genesis uh when God made the world in six days and then yeah. rested on the seventh and now here it's, it's a, it, coming in the commandments it's gonna come in the commandments but even here he's saying I don't want you to work on the Sabbath day I want yeah. you to take a day of rest and and again it's gonna come like literally written in the law but he's already creating a pattern in the way that they like he's providing for them he's providing for them food and doing so in abundance on the sixth day so that they can rest on the seventh day and have a day of resting in him and i i think that one of the things that was here was you would think why would they not want a restful day i mean why would you not want a day off but when you are are scared that i may not have what i need to survive, you know, then you just keep working and working and working and working yourself to the bone because you don't trust that yeah. you'll have enough. I was going to say it's that trust again and again and again. Yeah. And we so don't like being dependent either. On <laughs> yeah. We want to be self-sufficient, autonomous, which is essentially the essence of sin. That's what Adam wanted mm-hmm. to have was autonomy from God. Yeah. I can become my own God uh, mm-hmm. I, where I don't need him anymore. And, and essentially that's what, God in creating the Sabbath day and this daily provision of, of manna is essentially communicating is no, you, you need me. I'm going to provide for you, but I also want you to rest in me, uh, and, and with me on this day and make it a day of worship to me. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. Um, how even before the law was given, it was brought up, brought in here, you know? Yeah. Well, and in, in your message, you mentioned that contrast, of these people who were slaves that definitely no one cared about them getting rest right <laughs> right until yep. until these moments of god you know hinting at it here yeah yeah what i was gonna ask and i was gonna ask emily before she had to take off here but is there because i mentioned in my sermon 
at the very end, like God, God meets our needs. Um, and he provides for us in supernatural ways. Like, can you Cody and, and obviously Michelle, like think of a way or a time where God like met a need of yours, where it was like, do that. There's no explanation like that had to be God do that. Man, that's a tough one because I am skeptical. So I come up with a lot of explanations. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah. But I mean, like one that comes to mind and I I talked about it not even that long ago was when I, you know, on faith moved down to Southern California with no job, no place to live, no nothing, you know, and on the way down, someone, you know, called me and was like, Hey, we got a place for you to live if you need one, you know? Right. Um, which the skeptical side of me says, yeah, like, well, but they knew people who knew people who knew people and the word got to them and, you know, for sure. Um, but even then, like, that's like the people of God working the way the people Mm. of God should, you know, sharing each other's needs. And and, I mean, that's kind of miraculous on its own. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm a skeptical guy. I like to come up with how it probably worked out in a practical sense, you know? Right. Um, but, uh, but I don't have, I don't have one where I'm like, I could never, ever, ever come up with any reason why that happened to work out. Um, but I do trust that God does miracles, but I'm just always kind of overanalyzing. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's because the uh, the other extreme would be like to see like everything has a spiritual equivalent, you yeah. know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it's like I'm I'm exhausted or like this or that. And um, I just need God to do this. It's like, no, I think you just need to take a nap, you know, like <laughs> and uh, anyway. So yeah. I think that sometimes we over spiritualize things, but yeah. we also There's don't want to under spiritualize. I know things and that's the danger I run is under. How about Michelle? Do you have a, a time that comes to mind? God providing meeting I mean, a need? There have been a few times where like, um, you know, we've been tight in money or something and like you're knee gut reaction is like okay like we won't tithe you know like because the church isn't like a bill it's not gonna come after you you know um but like we've just been like we're gonna still tithe our normal amount and god will provide and like we've never like not been able to make our bills Mm -hmm. and things in all of the years of marriage 12 years we've never like not been able to make our bills and i feel like god has always like made a way and and things but early on in our marriage I think when we were saving and thinking that we couldn't even afford our little apartment and we were saving money to like get ahead and we ended up like being able to afford our house and getting this this house that we shouldn't have even gotten for so cheap and and got we actually the apartments that we were living in they were going to turn them into dorms so they actually paid us money to to move out and break our (laughs) lease and so it was like we had just enough for the down payment and we didn't know like how we were going to keep the electricity on but (laughs) yeah we had it wasn't that that. bad michelle but it was babe you were eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that's right i was um because you didn't know how to cook back then hey but (laughs) (laughs) now she's an amazing cook hey newlywed game's over (laughs) but yeah i mean that that's a stick out one to me early on in our marriage the way god um just supernaturally provided a way for us to be able to buy our first house. Even when I went to school, I remember I I signed up to this private university and the question was, how are we going to afford that? 
And I'm like, I have no idea. I just feel like God's saying I need to do this. Mm. And, you know, six years later, uh, we bought we bought this house. Six years later, I finished my degree and our the value of our house went up two hundred thousand dollars. We sold it, moved up here, and I was able to pay off my student loans, buy a truck cash, and put money down on a new house. I mean, the Lord like abundantly provided where I'm like I mean, here's here's my natural explanation of that. Uh, we bought a house and then the market value went up, and so we sold it and we moved on, you yeah. know? But, like, I can, and yeah, that's certainly the natural explanation, uh, the human explanation, but I'm like, but that's, it doesn't always work out that way. Like, it was just, it was so clearly that God guided and provided everything that we need and it and it wasn't beyond what we needed right it wasn't like i yeah. became a millionaire or something you know <laughs> it, it was he still ma- kept us dependent on him and yet at the same time provided but it started uh, for with us. getting that house like we should have never been able to afford that like we didn't have i think we ended up putting like fifty four hundred dollars down on, a, on yeah, the house or whatever because but in 2011 like, the house was only any, 140 grand yeah we didn't have <laughs> any money like in savings and yet like week after week there was something that happened that like blessed us with this money and we were able to buy this house and it was kind of cool because we actually got the keys on my birthday which was like a significant like day that the lord provided for that on my birthday and we had got engaged on my birthday and we didn't know how we were even going to do this because aaron was working part-time i was a server like how are we even going to afford living outside of our parents' house, you know, right. things like that. And everything was so unsure around that time. And that was something that like was significant in our relationship of like, mm-hmm. we didn't, we didn't want to depend on God in a sense. We wanted it to like be like, you know, and you know, we can do this. We've mapped out our budget and everything. We can do this, but yeah. we had to just like trust God and go for it. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you and I could probably look back to the COVID season yeah, and just be like, say. dude, I mean, every week God met our needs and yeah. not just obviously financially as a church, but how he met um, relational needs yep. mm-hmm. and spiritual yeah. needs. I well, mean, we I mean, just saw it. Yeah. I mean, I was even thinking like it's, it's not a fun one to think about, but our through a, a series of events, our staff got pretty lean and yep. mean Aww. right before COVID hit. Yeah. Which was definitely outside of our control. Outside yeah. of our control and but like against our control in yeah. fact. But for the the health of the church in terms of like how much staff we had to uh-huh. to keep yep. uh you know uh budgeted, it was actually a blessing that we grew out of and grew into, you know, a staff that meets the needs of the amount of people that are here now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was thinking even Emily and I getting here to yep. this place, like there was so many, um, you know, coincidences yeah. <laughs> of like, you know, a, a person who just like, we just need someone to rent our house and can be for a little while at cheap, you know, um, so that we can move into it later. Like, okay, we'll rent your house for a little while. Yeah, Kimmy, you yeah know? that's true. You know, like in, you know, the way it worked out where we were able to find the place we're in now, you know, across the parking lot. Yeah. Um, you know, like there's just like so many of those where like the right things had to happen. I mean, even, I mean, this church, I feel like I remember was looking for a part-time worship leader, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it kind of turned 
full-time. and do a full-time mm-hmm. worship leader because we can't find anybody. We'll have to make it full-time. Yep. But that probably would have been a pretty big burden on the church to have a full-time worship leader. And then all of a sudden the youth pastor's leaving. Yeah. It's yep. like a, a dual position now, which probably makes more sense budget wise. You know? Right. Right. And it made sense for me because I needed a full-time job, you know? Right. Right. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So there's like, a you know, all kinds of things like that where you can go, oh, like God was doing something there and lining some pieces up. Yeah. But I mean, I, like I said in my sermon on Sunday, like I, I could have lunch with any number of you know, mature Christians in our church and they could tell me or tell us, uh, you know, have someone here on the podcast and tell us the 15 ways that jump in their mind of how God has provided specifically for them as they've been walking with him. Like, obviously we would all say God met our greatest need by saving us from our sin and bringing us into a relationship with him. Like he knew our greatest need and he saved us from those things. I mean, we could go back to our salvation moment and and talk about that but even along the way and i i think that's what this is this story is significantly pointing to is god met their greatest need by saving them from egypt from mm-hmm. their slavery and from their oppressors um and, and but god had more that he wanted to do in regard to meeting their needs right he met their greatest need in salvation but now he wanted to meet other needs in sanctification and god is going to continue to do those same things because this is setting a pattern for how the Christian walk is, right? This book in Exodus. And so we look at this and say, well, God does the same thing even today, um, where he provides physical needs, relational needs, emotional, uh, spiritual, all of these things. And, but I, uh, yeah, I know that there are, and people have shared with me stories of how God provided for them, um, someone to help them, with the thing that they had at their house or yeah. whatever it was, you know, mm-hmm. um, God just meets, he has a way of meeting needs and, and particularly in the, in the lives of his people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyway, it's, it's cool when you hear those sort of God stories, those testimonies of the way he met someone's need. And, yeah. I, and I think, again, this story points us to be looking for those things. Yeah. Um, when, when and how God meets the needs of his people. Yeah. Looking for them and believing they're coming, even in, you know, we have those big ones. We right. crossed the whole Red Sea, mm-hmm. but now I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, but like believing them that they're really coming again. Like this isn't the time that God finally gave up and isn't going to try to help you anymore. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, we're getting, we're getting a little long. Let's Volunteer of the week. Let's move on to our next segment. Volunteer of the week. This week is um, Sav- Savannah. F- <laughs> I, I was gonna. I was gonna say it. <laughs> Savannah Hall. Savannah Hall. Uh, she has been an intern at the church before, and then she uh, decided to be an intern at some bigger church. <laughs> Where they no, will they kidding. pay her there? <laughs> I just get closer to home too. <laughs> but she is. But uh, she's but a she's, member here, though. Yeah, she's back now. She's a member. She goes to Corbin, so when she's here for the entire school year, uh, she's here. But she just pulled the double duty, uh, volunteering uh, for our worship night um, yep. and for Sunday. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, I didn't even do the worship night on Sunday. So she did more work yeah. than I did this week. <laughs> yep, she came and helped. And, I mean, it's a little bit of a drive for her, and especially yeah. Sunday morning 
you know, it's an early morning drive yeah. to get here. And so uh, she yeah. is the volunteer of the week. We one, and one of her, her roommates leaves the dome light on in her car and she has to get jumped before she comes all the way here. <laughs> stuff like that. Not a fight, but like her car get jumped. Like, yeah. yeah, right. that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's awesome. She is, uh, you know, one of those people that's great to have uh, because of her skill. Um, but also great to have because of her personality and mm-hmm. what she contributes to the team. So we're highlighting she loves her. The Lord. She yeah. loves the Lord and she loves the word of God, mm-hmm. which is huge. Um, anything else to say about Savannah before we move on? Oh, she's she. You know, what's funny is I was telling Michelle because we were talking about corks last night and Michelle couldn't come up with any of my <laughs> corks like on the spot. And I'm like, how about, dude, the, way you say, how about the way you say corks? Yeah. Corks. <laughs> what quirks, are you? Quirks. Quirks. Okay. Corks. Corks. Not a bottle in, of wine. Yeah, corks go in a bottle. Um, corks are what but you have <laughs> when you say corks. I, I remember Savannah, when she was an intern here, actually pointed out a cork of mine <laughs> that I did not know that I had. Yeah. And I, now I can't not think about it every time I, I do it. I know exactly what you're talking but about. But when I tell stories. And I'm sitting down. I tend to stand up and act them out. And act them out. And she, yeah, it was just, uh, it was so funny when she brought it to my attention. I was like, wow, this girl is like perceptive, you know? Like she did. Observing. I remember that was she, so funny. She brought it up one time, and then every staff meeting from then on, Aaron started telling a story, and he'd stand up and start doing something, and, and she, everybody would just laugh at, me. at everybody, and he, he'd go, "Dang it!" <laughs> Yeah, she got so she got me. Yeah. Uh, so tell Savannah when you see her how much you appreciate her. Tell her, uh, congratulate her for being volunteer of the week. Um, yeah, and just say thank you for her being here and driving all the way she does. Yes, thank you. Um, it's time for Bible trivia right now. All right, this Bible trivia is brought to you courtesy of Aaron Adame. I know. We yep. don't have Emily in here. Uh, yeah, Emily's. Emily, we need you. Emily in the Antisdale home phone a friend? is the resident Bible expert, so I was really going to depend on her, but it's down to me <laughs> yep. and Michelle. So, Aaron, a dumpster fire. Michelle, you do a bunch of BSF, whatever. You've memorized every book of the Bible by now. No, don't how, put me in How that. long have you been doing BSF? Uh, four years now. Yeah, that's a... You've gotten through the whole Aaron's Bible. Aaron's probably going to pick something, though, that we haven't gone through. All right. Let, let's hear it, Aaron. What's the Bible trivia? Um. Okay. So, this is going to be hard. The ladies, the, ladies, the ladies are going un- through. Actually, I'm, I'm going to make this easy. This, this is, is going to be unreasonably hard. This is really kind of... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so, the, the ladies are going through Esther in the women's so bible study so this, this is an esther bible trivia question esther trivia dude so emily would have killed it what there were several that i skipped over because i oh thought they gosh. would be funny but anyway what did mordecai tell esther not to do be- before the king what did he tell her not, not to do? Not to do before when you go before the king. Do not do this. Do not do this. Do not do this. Man, where's Steve Santos when you need him? He knows this story backwards and do frontwards. And yeah, this was after she was already the queen. She's so already she queen. already won the beauty pageant. And he says, when you go and it into was after the, the decree came to kill all the Jews and all this other stuff. So I'm giving you hints here. Do not Wh- tell them you're a Jew. 
do not tell anyone that you are a Jew. Uh, do not woo! tell him you. The, the verse says this. Mordecai forbade Esther to tell anyone of her nationality or family background. Ah, uh, do not say you're a Jew. Do not say that you are a Jew. Which that comes uh, up a few times in there. Yep. So, so it's like, is it there? And do no. not be honest with this guy yeah. when you go in there. I think she was to be shrewd. <laughs> Wise as a serpent, like a gentle as a, a dove. dove. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, there were a lot of good ones in here. I looked. Do not it up. bear false witness, which she didn't do. <laughs> she didn't bear false. Listen, witness. there's she a lot of very. She didn't bear any there's witness. a lot of things in Esther. There's a lot of like, moderately unethical, yeah. shady things that happened in the Book of Esther, but God <laughs> she, used it and somehow. She, bear, she bared some other stuff, but she didn't bear false witness. Which, if That's you right. want to learn more about Esther, you got to come on Saturday. Sa- this the Saturday. first Saturday of the month, starting in January, we're going through the Book of Esther. And who's starting? Who's kicking it off? No, I should know. Renee. Yeah, Renee. I was going to say, yeah. I, I think you know because I was in the same meeting. Renee is, is kicking it off. I'm and hard she's on looking, the spot. Yeah. I can't do it. Uh, so, yeah, Esther's going to be a cool book for the women's ministry. Yep. Nice. Good job. Um, are you? Do you guys need to say anything to each other or are you on are you feeling like you're on good terms after no we're, that? we're good yeah. after that newlywed game we're good we're good <laughs> we're good I love man. You, oh absolutely and and we've been through worse hey at this point right now the united states are winning wales in the world cup one oh, nothing one praise nothing. the lord nice. we need to make Aaron's this happen priority. miss the first goal okay aaron's got a game to watch I'm, honestly i'm probably going to edit this down to uh Michelle saying, I love you, and you saying, absolutely. I love you, babe. You know that. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.